Welcome to Miracles in Recovery with Ray Lynch. If you are one of the millions of people facing addiction issues or the loved one of someone who is, we're here to help and to discuss solutions. Hope is in your corner. Now, here's your host, Ray Lynch. Good evening and welcome to Miracles in Recovery. Hi, Ellen. How are you? Very well, thanks. How are you? I am fantastic. How are we doing on the home search? <laughs> well, the house that we thought we had last week got a contract before we could make an offer. Oh. So well, then it wasn't looking. meant to be yours, I True. guess. I mean, I, I'm pretty much just resigned to giving up at this point, and hopefully something will happen soon. Well, I, you know, that, that's what they say. You know, you keep pulling, you keep pulling, you keep yeah. pulling, and nothing happens, and you let you let the rope go, and it... That's pretty much where I am. Let go and let God. Yeah. Yeah. So we were talking briefly, like 30 seconds before the show started, about the, the thing that was on 60 Minutes last night. And I didn't get to get a chance to watch it. I I was driving, and my mother called me and said, uh, you got to tape it. you got to watch it. And I started to watch it on demand and had to run out the door this afternoon. I only got to see a couple of minutes of it. So I really wouldn't be able to have any commentary whatsoever on it. But <laughs> you did say that you watched it. I so watched maybe we can, some of it, and I got yeah. a phone call in the middle. Um, but the gist of it is basically the pharmaceutical company distributors are in a large part guilty of foisting this opioid epidemic onto the American public. But didn't we already know that? You know what I mean? Like we the, did. I mean, isn't this isn't this like reading yesterday's newspaper? I mean, this gentleman coming out, and I I didn't see the show, so here I am just making assumptions. But you know, when you put whistleblower near somebody's name, it's too late, dude. The thing is, it's already happened, and now you're telling about history. I mean, I didn't see the story about you know the intricacies of how how they went about doing it and how they blocked him and all of that, but. Um, the, the gist that I get from stories like that is, we know. So why are you telling us what happened yesterday instead of what you're planning on doing today for the opioid crisis that we live in, that people are dying from on a daily basis? Bodies are piling up in the streets, per se. Well, one of the things that was kind of interesting is the person that President Trump was going to appoint as the drugs are is named in this as one of the bad guys. And I can't remember his name. I was trying to scroll through some information and see if I could Maybe find it. Maybe that's why he didn't. And, well, he actually came out today and said he's going to have to rethink this and look at it a lot harder. So he was he was probably unaware. Be- no, yeah, of course not he was being unaware. A, not being a politician and being in with whatever it is that they do, um, how how would you know? Yeah, exactly. How would how would we as as common citizens know what they did behind the scenes to assist these drug companies to do what they did? I mean, we see the damage. We we see street level. Yes, we know this is happening. Thousands. We were talking about articles we had a couple of years ago on a different show about truckloads, right? Yes. Dump trucks, like eleven dump trucks, right? The, well, and the, every year exponentially, millions more pills are yeah. being you know mm-hmm. requested and granted and the DEA is basically hamstrung they aren't allowed because of something called the Marino bill that was passed during the Obama administration mm-hmm. that basically 
the idea supposedly behind it was you can't keep these poor patients who have terrible pain <laughs> from their pain medication. So um, Senator Marino and someone else... I can't find yeah, that whoever, who, whatever the other scumbag's name was. I yeah, mean, they, the, <clears throat> crafted know, this is, bill that basically the, left the DEA completely powerless and yeah, got campaign funds. To arrest. Well, but what happens is then when they start trying to prosecute the cases, uh-huh. the cases get thrown back and thrown back and thrown back and thrown back, and nothing ever happens. And then they just happens. give up and say the heck with it. Well, you much. go years and years and yeah. years and years and years. Yeah. You know, he said he would work for a year on a case and and submit it and everybody would say yes it's great and then the attorneys would take it and they'd start sending it back and sending it back and sending it back Picking and then those attorneys would go yeah. to work for the drug companies so there, there's a lot of shameful stuff going on behind the scenes in politics where we are you know i really don't want to get political about this but you know the people that the people that we vote for, the people that we put in in charge of making laws and rules and suggestions and all of that stuff for all the commonwealths of uh, the United States, the scum. They are. You know because it's not about what you and I want. It's not about what the general public wants. They don't consult. You know like. I I would like to believe that when we were younger, and. And I'm not talking younger like 20 years ago. I'm talking maybe about 40 years ago when we were younger, when we were kids. And um, politicians went and they had, you know, the little, the little, uh, what do you call them there? The The town uh, halls. The town halls and stuff like that. And they got the the feel for what their community wanted, how their community wanted them to vote. They don't do that today at all. You're cut off from a politician. Some of them do town halls. I've seen. They do, but they, but 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 they but don't they, take not, the information and do anything. But with they're them. not That's positive the today because they do a town hall and there's people in there that are that are screaming at them that are from the other uh, political um, right. agenda. Right. So it doesn't. Nothing really it's gets done. It's just chaotic. No, and, and, and sadly, sadly, people on the street are paying a price because the people that we put in positions to make those choices are making the wrong ones. And they're making them because of money. And, well, you, you, you and I know, or everybody knows, that um, you do one term as a senator and you get X amount, of, you know, you get a pension. Yeah, you, you get a pension, six, you get insurance, good insurance for, for life. life. And, and, you're, and, you, and you're exempted from Obamacare and you're exempted from all of, all of the other stuff and you get all of these freebies for life. All you have to do is work six years and, 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 and get paid by people to make votes. I don't know. We need to talk about something else other than that know, because it, it, gets, just, it gets that just really confuses <laughs> the hell out of me. You know what I mean? Like I'm sitting here. Why am I sitting here talking to the world when I could be doing that? But the sad thing is, is that I would like to think that I would do the right thing, given the opportunity, I don't know what my vote would be. I honestly don't. I know. know We've never been in in the position. We don't know. And politics, we were raised to believe in our government and believe that it was good. But I think politics has probably always been somewhat corrupt. Yes. It's just so much easier to be corrupt now. Because it's right in your face and they don't care. And nobody you know, cares. Our, no. our whole society has changed to the point that, you know, it's all yeah. about money and pretty much nothing mm-hmm. else. Yeah. Now, you know, 
it's run, our government is basically run by giant corporations. And the interesting thing, you know, I used to work for McKesson Corporation, which is one of the ones. That's that's, what you said that was one of the ones that. Yeah, yeah, it was number two. I think the first is Cardinal, but I didn't work for the drug part of it. I worked Mm -hmm. for another business that they've since divested themselves of. But I went and looked at their stock today, thinking it would probably have taken a sharp dive. And it went up. No, it went down like 50 cents. Yeah, so I don't know. You know, sadly, um, things like that give information out to whoever watched it, but what difference did it really make? None. That's what I was sitting there thinking the the whole time. Yeah, like what, What are we going to do? We're in this mess now. Mm-hmm. No matter what, and and a lot of the drugs are coming from other countries now that right. are replacing the pill right. bills I mean, that exactly. they did get rid if you, of. If, because because our costs are so high, you can just go to you can go to Canada and get them pennies on a dollar, and that's even just for blood pressure medication, right? You know, or, or for anything, anything. Yeah, and um, you know, I I think the gentleman, like I said, I hadn't watched it, but I think the gentleman that was the whistleblower had good intentions of telling the nation that this is what was going on. But what does it do? Because we all watch it and we, we, we converse back and forth and this is wrong and that is wrong and this gum and this and that. And we go about our own business. Well, we play a game of ain't it awful. That's what right. I call it. Right. Ain't it awful. Mm-hmm. Let's go on to the next thing. But what do we do now? Yeah. Yeah. Because you turn the channel and there's some other tragedy yeah. going on. And and what do we do now is is the big question, and I don't think it's being answered particularly. And I truly hope President Trump doesn't appoint the fellow that he was looking at. No, I mean, yeah, that would be kind of... The, the, the Obama drug czar was a good guy. His name was Michael Botticelli. He's an addict. So he knew... And he did a lot. He did a lot of town hall meetings. He did call in meetings. I sat in on some of them. But if he knew and he was in that position, yeah, why was that do? going on? Well, what did he do? He did nothing. He did nothing. So, so what? I don't know how no. you do anything. No, it, it, it has to. I I don't know. I mean, we need to. You know, there was uh, last year they had uh, that recovery day at the Capitol and right. all of that, and. Um, I think it did a lot. It, it did a lot for awareness. What did it do? What, what we're still this year saying the death toll is getting greater every day. It is. So, like, what did it do? What is it going to take for us to, you know, for the light bulb to go on on top of our head and go, enough is enough. We can't do this anymore. Yeah, quit discharging overdosing addicts that? back to the streets so they can go get more drugs because if you've Narcan them, they're sick. They're going to want to get, yeah. you know, some people overdose three and four times a night. Mm-hmm. Stop doing that. Start treating them. Start treating them. Detox e- them appropriately. Give them Suboxone. Whatever it takes, talk to them. Try mm-hmm. to help. Instead, they, they get treated like trash and literally thrown to the street. You know, as as random and as crazy as, as it thinks, but um, as I, I've heard or read, it was maybe some video, uh, um, some gentleman was saying, I think we t- I spoke about it a couple of weeks ago, um, Portugal mm-hmm. has zero, like 0.1% problem with its population for for alcohol because and drugs because they started doing the safe zones where they could they go because they decriminalized and, everything yeah. or yeah so you know people were more apt to be 
open for treatment exactly. beca- because the community was behind them versus now we shun, we, we, we cast away, yes. we shame. Yeah. Look at, look at that. And, and I, I uh, you know, a recovering addict myself have no problem on a bad day looking at someone who's high and in my mind, well, you probably get throwing, mad because well, you, know, mad. you know, you know. One, maybe because the, the, the demon inside me wants to be like that. Two, because I know that there's a better way. Right. And three, just because I'm human, I have the ability to be able to uh, look down my nose at people. My disease tells me at one moment that I'm less than and the very next moment that I'm better than. And it does that all day long. And I need to make sure that I keep that in check because when I'm walking around in a store better than everyone else in it, I leave the store and I get outside and I go, this isn't what I wanted to buy. Yeah. Right? And then when I walk around a store feeling less than, you know, oh, my my pants are falling down or my shirt has a little stain on it and everybody sees it. Um I leave the store without buying anything. Right. So, and that's just the way that my disease or dis-ease um, walks me through my day. Now, like I said, when I look at somebody who's high, depending on where I'm at, is where my um, denial or sympathetic um, feelings are. So, I can totally understand when you have a community of people looking at the same individual day after day after day like like myself and my friends they would drive to work and we would be standing in the park probably with the same clothes on for the fifth or sixth day and laughing at the people that were going to work because <laughs> they they were the lames they were going they to were work they were going to work and you know little did i know that was the crowd I was supposed to be following out of the community. You know, it took me a long time to figure that out. So, so I, I, can, I get it when we as a society can st- stigmatize people. When, when I, like, how many people ha- have you known, or you've even said it yourself, I, I would never believe that you were an addict. I would never believe that you were a yeah. heroin addict. Um, a lot. It's true. A lot. <laughs> it's true. I, I have to raise my hand when they say who did heroin, you know. Um, so I, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is, but I, I do know what we are doing as a nation is not working. No, the war on drugs has caused this problem, really. And people who and and this guy that uh, Trump was going to appoint was kind of a war on drugs guy, which is a big mistake. The war on drugs doesn't work. It didn't work. It's no. messed us up. And if we look at countries like Portugal that started the the safe injection sites where you go and mm-hmm. you actually have a professional inject your drug, but they talk to you right. and they try to talk you into mm-hmm. getting treatment. If we did things, and there are, I think in Washington State, there may be a few springing up here I think here they're and there. slowly coming around. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that, maybe that, in the Boston, Boston area, Boston, area yeah, too. Boston, uh, yeah, Boston City that, Hospital. That they're I trying think, to do that. Yeah. Uh, that's the type of thing that works, and that's the type mm-hmm. of thing that people are going to have to get off their high horses and start looking at if you want to save lives. Because if you treat people like human beings... And if you treat people like human beings with an illness, maybe, just maybe, you'll save a few lives. You might get through to some of them. Well, you know something? Even the one, 
You know what I mean? If we could take that number from how many a day is it? Like I mean, 144. We don't even know. 144, but they did I did see like 91, right? Or whatever number you want to use. If we can take one away a day. A day. Right? That's a lot. Then then that's absolutely a lot because that number will start that number will start growing because it'll be about education it'll be about awareness and and in portugal they're not doing anything different than loving the people that are struggling and like you said it's giving them the opportunity to speak to someone you know that they'll be back right right you know they'll be back because they're coming back to that safe place um unless something tragically happens to them from that that time they're there to the next time, you have that greater shot again. Here, you don't. You snatch them off the street. You throw them in jail with people that that aren't getting a real education. Yeah, there's meetings that come in. and um, But but where you become a better addict because you're around yeah. nothing but other addicts. So you, you start making friends with them and finding out where they do their thing. And, you know, when you get out. It's even better because you know more. Right. That that has been what I observed in in my daughter in the times that she was in and out of jail. Every time she got out, she was worse. Plus, the shame of being in jail really affected her for a very long time afterward. Yeah, because you know, visiting her in jail the quite a few times that I did, um, she really wasn't a happy camper on the no. other side of the screen. No. You know, and you, I, I could see it. I, I couldn't, I couldn't, I, I got to see her through a screen once that whole time, that, that right. time that she was in right. because the video monitor was broken and they brought us to this old part of the jail. Yeah, where you, all you hear and is just talking. It was, and I was just, we were screaming yeah. through this little hole at each other. Yeah, it's it awful. Was kind of, it was kind of nuts. But, you know, something the I could sense that. It wasn't a happy environment. There are people who are institutionalized, um, but I think maybe it affected her a little bit more. And I'm sure that seven out of the ten people that were around her um, are the same. So I just want to say that phone lines are open. Dial 866-472-5792. Let your voice be heard. Make a difference. Share about what we're talking about or any other subject that you want to bring up. We'll share a little more of this topic when we come back. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You probably don't spend too much time talking about that place down there. Why not? There's now a show where that's mostly what we talk about and so much more. It's the Womb Happy Hour with host Lorraine Giordano. It's all about your body and the magical power you possess. Guys, you might want to tune in too. There's no reason to be squeamish. Listen for the Womb Happy Hour, broadcasting live every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Tune in every Tuesday for C. diff, spores, and more with host Nancy Kerala. Our program is to provide information about C. diff, healthcare-associated infections, and more. Nancy is a C. diff survivor, healthcare professional, and founder and executive director of the C. diff Foundation. Together with her guests, we'll explore C. diff infection prevention, treatments, environmental safety, and more. Listen every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Health & Wellness. 
Healthcare has been a major part of news stories today with one thing that has been consistent, inconsistency. Both healthcare providers and patients have to work around and get used to a constantly changing set of rules and issues. Nurses have historically been left out of this decision-making. Listen to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with host Leanne Meyer. Health professionals, we invite you to share your ideas and experiences while listening to experts in various areas of nursing. Listen Mondays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health & Wellness. Explore the power of natural healing with Howard Strauss. Join us each week for an informative program that will help you learn effective healing methods using natural remedies. Howard's guests include top researchers, authors, and experts who will share their views on a variety of natural products and healing methods that really work. Tune in to The Power of Natural Healing with Howard Strauss, Mondays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Step into a healthier you. Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Miracles in Recovery. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to ray at miraclesinrecovery.org. Now, back to this week's show. And welcome back to Miracles in Recovery. Please visit our Twitter at 855-STOP-USING or our Facebook page, Miracles in Recovery. Also, send Ray an email at ray at miraclesinrecovery.org. Let us know what topics you would like to hear on upcoming shows, and we'll be sure to talk about them. And if you or your organization would like to be a featured guest on the show, please send an email to the address Alan said, ray at miraclesandrecovery.org. We'll send you an information packet on how to schedule a time for you to be on the show so we can focus on what you have to bring to the recovery community. You know, we were talking during the break about... What were we talking about? <laughs> we were talking during the break about the amount of people that work in the recovery envelope, I would say, because there's a there's a lot of little ancillary veins that go off the oh, yeah. off you know the, the the word recovery, and with all of those people as an army. We probably still couldn't get anything done because you, you know, even even the Senate and the Congress jokingly say on TV, you know, the president says, "I want this done in two weeks," and they go, <laughs> you "Two know years, how, maybe." Yeah, you know how Congress works. Well, there's only a hundred of you. Throw the vote out and and work it, you know, or or whatever. It just it 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 blows my mind that we are one of the most advanced societies in the world. And we still can't get out of our own way. Well, I always think, you know, if you look at, and, you know, I'm bringing up 12-step programs, but I think this is kind of an interesting point. If you look at the 12 traditions of AA, NA, Al-Anon, Naranon, they are 12 traditions of a way to work together. Right. Where you don't have somebody that's the most important, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and they work. 
right. if you work them. Yeah, so it, it's it's ultimately like say the steps are for me and the traditions are for us, pretty much. You know what I but mean? I, and that's I how we work as a looking that's how at the traditions and wondering if I, you know, if everyone at my job applied them, how much better we would work together. Oh no, absolutely. And I think if our country applied them, how much better we would work together, yeah. rather than you know the. The backstabbing and the back room stuff that goes on and the deal making. Yeah. You know, stop doing that. Let's be nice people. Let's be We're human nice beings people. with integrity. Thing. Well, I know. We're and I'm, nice you know, people. the older I get, the sadder I get about the state of being human. Mm-hmm. But I always <laughs> yeah. say human nature never changes. Yeah. Everything else does, but human nature doesn't. You know, that, that, and that's the funny thing. I always know walking in the door. How my dogs are going to react. Right. I never know walking in the door how a human is going to react when I walk in the room. And the, you know, the bad thing is, is that animals have unconditional love. Mm -hmm. We, we always like to say we have unconditional love. That's crap. I think so. Everyone has conditional love because it depends on, like I said, one moment my disease tells me I'm less than, the next moment it tells me I'm greater than. Wherever I am within that spectrum is where you're going to get my uh, span of unconditional to conditional love. And I, I doesn't mean that I will I will love you any less, but I am going to put an expectation somehow on something that you're doing or that I'm experiencing because I'm human. And that's what you said. It saddens me. Uh, the older you get, the the sadder you are that you're human, and it's true. Yeah, because we're not evolving. No, as a species, and and we should. No, be. we're regressing right yeah, now. I we're, think we're so going too. Backwards. Terribly. Yeah. Terribly, because the moral fiber of our society has really been corroded. Hmm. I don't know how. Maybe too much TV. I don't know, but you know, just from you know, I was born in the fifties, and. Mm-hmm. It's probably the best time in our country, honestly. Right, right. I mean, I I, I was born in the fifties as well. Just it was. I mean, it it's was, not like I don't remember it very well, and I'm sure no. you're younger than me, and you don't either. But just you know, there was a little bit of that left over when I was a little little kid. I think the first major thing that I remember was President Kennedy yes. getting shot. Yes. Yeah. And it was only because the reaction of my mother and aunts and, and everybody that was around, I remember that. And when I see, when I see it on TV, mm-hmm. it brings me back to my mother and aunts. It doesn't bring me back to seeing it happening on, right. uh, you know, the whole thing it was on the TV. Reaction. It was their reaction that I remember. So why can't we embrace that today? The reaction that we get when, you know, things like this are on TV or when prominent people in our community die or even just your average, you know, bum on a bench dies, we, we, everybody gets a reaction because, because – or if there's somebody out there that dies that nobody gets a reaction to, they live the sad life and they, where did they come from? Right, you know they what I mean. They had to have been so, somebody's child at yeah, some point. Somebody's yeah, somebody's father, somebody's mother, somebody's son, somebody's daughter, whatever. However you want to stack it, um, why can't we take that reaction and and change it? Whereas when President Kennedy died, 
that that left a lifelong imprint on everyone who had at least an awareness to know. Like you, yeah. I it, mean, of course, I remember where I was when I heard it. I don't think there's anybody, you know, who was old enough to remember anything that doesn't remember where they were when they heard right. it. Almost like, uh, like 9-11 as well. Yeah. Same thing. Serious. Imp- this is just as tragic. But yet the, the awareness, unless you're involved in it, one yeah. way or another, is still not there. I was talking to a coworker. Mm-hmm. He used to work in, in one of the rehabs in Atlanta. She did not realize that there was a huge opioid problem. What? Well, she's not working at the rehab anymore, but she no. she didn't realize the magnitude of the problem. You know, I was talking to her about it a little bit, and she was like, "Really? Wow!" Yeah. Well, like, um, what was it? What, yeah, I, you know, and like, we, if it we doesn't get to, affect you, you yeah. don't know. Yeah, if it doesn't affect you, and you're there, you're there. You for, hear it on TV and yeah. go, "Gee, ain't mm-hmm. it awful?" Yeah. <laughs> Click. Yeah. Yeah. Let's put on SpongeBob. Yeah, and yeah. Then, and and if you. I actually was at my book club one time, and we had read a book about that had something to do with addiction. And one of the ladies is a pilot who goes overseas, and she said she was in a country, and there were addicts everywhere, and they're just you know they were gross and laying around on the ground. She said we should just let them die. Hmm. And I said, my children are addicts. Do you think that I should just let them die? And then yeah. you know she backed up real quick. But that's the attitude, unless you I don't know how many people. I, I had a friend of mine that I grew up with, and um, he was told I, I had overdosed, and and he was told that uh, from another from a mutual friend that that I had that I had gone out and was taken to the hospital. He said, "Oh, that's too bad." And the guy said, "Yeah, I know." He says, "Hopefully he's okay." He said, "No, it's too bad he didn't he didn't die." That's just so unbelievable. You know what I mean? And this is somebody that I grew up with, so. There is still that. It's a prejudice. It's a prejudice, prejudice. Yeah, it's a prejudice out there. And, and, you know, I don't hold back saying that I'm an addict. I don't overly tell people. I used to tell people that I was in recovery. I used to tell people that I was clean only because people knew me as a different individual. They knew me as that active addict. They knew me as that scumbag. They knew me as that bum on the bench. Now, when I got clean and things started making sense and, and my life started getting in order, I had no problem telling people that I was a recovering addict. I don't really have to do that today because that's not that's not the I don't you know like you said you you would never even think that. So so I've come to a place where I don't have to wear that as a cross. You know. Well, and you do kind of have to be careful. You know, with I, well, jobs no. and work and stuff like that. No, I would that that's one thing that if I, if I knew that I had to be careful I would absolutely say that I was a recovering addict because that's my mentality. I I, I still today balk against um, authority. So if I if I knew <laughs> right if I knew that it would offend somebody that I said that I was an addict, I wedge that into the conversation wherever I can as quick as I can. I I do you know because I'm not, but my children are. I do try to be careful. Right, no, I get discussing you. it yeah. because I don't want them to lose their jobs. They're doing well right now. No, I get you, and, and that and would that be up to them to do yeah, anyway. Yeah, that is something that could 
definitely come back and bite them. And that's unfortunate, but true. Yeah. You know, you're doing well today, mm-hmm. but you've got a past. And that past can yeah. come back to, to haunt you. And it does often. That's the other thing that's really sad. All these kids that have got mm-hmm. felony charges now for minute amounts of drugs. Yeah. That's going to haunt them the rest of that. You know, you can't rent an apartment. Right. You can't get yep. a job. You can't get insurance. All kinds of stuff. It's horrible. Yeah, and and, and there is a there is a huge difference being twenty eight years clean in four, five, six, seven. You're still you're still you know, and, and I kinda I kinda cringe when um I kind of cringe when I see somebody in the newspaper or I see somebody going out and uh, commercializing. I don't want to use that word, commercializing. But when they're talking about staying clean, when they're talking about, you know, I was a mess and now I'm good and and I'm, I'm telling you this on TV so everybody can hear me, you're an accident waiting to happen when you're that early in recovery. Right. And what happens when... You're, and I've seen it. You're a year clean and you're out there and you're sharing your experience, strength, and hope. And sadly, you relapse. And everybody around you in the community says, I knew it didn't work. And mm-hmm. he's proof. So I am not going to push my children down this road to get clean. Right? What do you do? You well, know, so- you... you- what I did was gain an understanding of the disease, and I know that relapse yeah, you did. is part of it. Yeah, you but did. But a lot of people yeah. don't. No, a lot when, of people when, don't. Yeah, that, that's just a load of crap. Mm-hmm. You know, it didn't work, so I went, this when I got clean, hopeless. When I got clean the last time, I went and spoke to a couple of high schools on, like, career days and stuff like that, and I shared who I was, where I was, um, and what I have ultimately done to try to correct to not have to go back to that. But I didn't go on TV or I didn't become this public speaker because I had the awareness that I kept relapsing. Fortunately enough, the last time that I that I used was February 28, 1989. Um, so somewhere around the end of the year, I was sharing with nine, nine ten months clean about how I was how I was embracing the process. If I would have used everybody that was was in that school, all the teachers and everybody would have went, this kid's full of crap. Yeah. So you, you just have to be very careful of, of what it is and how you go about, like you said, sharing your recovery or your clean time or your abstinence or what it is that you're doing because god forbid you never know what is coming down the road now fortunately enough that wasn't my story but i do know that when i went places with people and shared about um our lives they were high yeah and who am I to, you know, pull their coat? But, um, well, like you always said, today is a, a good day to get a high. Oh, it, ab- it absolutely <laughs> no matter, is. No matter what, today is a good day to get high for any any addict. So it's not as it's not as prevalent today. But guess what? It was a it was a good day to get high in 1988 
Why ain't it a good day to get high in 2017? I'm an addict. That's what we do. I've stayed away from it for longer than I used, but that doesn't mean I'm not capable of. Right. You know, I wouldn't, you know, um, we're going to this, I'm going to a convention for for an Irish men's group that I belong to in Orlando this weekend. And I was talking to the president. I'm the vice president of the state. I was talking to the president. And he says, oh, nobody's bringing beer. He says, you want to go buy beer and bring it? <laughs> I said, yeah. Oh, gosh. You're the wrong person. <laughs> I said, yeah. He says, I'll go buy some beer. And then I'll go down the street and buy some aspirin because I have a headache. And I'll snort that, right? And he went, what do you mean? I said, why am I going to buy beer? I don't drink it. Well, so that people, I said, well, then those people can buy it. Exactly. You know? I mean, it, I don't run away from it, but I don't, in, I don't embrace it and walk into package stores and come walking out with a case of beer. I mean, that's just. Well, it's that's like just, visiting a drug dealer. I was standing outside a store one day, and there was a package store down the street, and cars were pulling up. People were jumping out, running in, coming out with bags over and over and over again. And I right. thought, Wow. This is just like drug dealers. It's just like it, only it's legal. Yes. <laughs> it is yeah. amazing. Yeah, and, and, and soon enough, or, or even now in, in some states, with marijuana, it's legal. Yeah. And, yeah. and, you know, I think we have, I think we have uh, a lot more um, knowledge about marijuana. And I don't think marijuana does, is, is as damaging as what we ultimately thought. I mean, medicinally, I, I've seen videos, I've seen things, how, how wonderful things happen to people who are suffering that ingest uh, marinol or marijuana or, or whatever it is. And, um, you know, so I really don't have that staunch, it's a gateway drug and that I used to because that was programmed into me, I think. Right, that I think was it was programmed, well, reefer madness and all of that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and I, I know it was programmed into me, but and I I don't well I you know I have an opinion about it. Some people can't handle it. Some people can't handle it. No, and this you is true. Can burn your life down with it if you're using it inappropriately. But, but if I your think, life is burning down anyway from a disease, why can't you ease it with marijuana? And you know I agree I mean? with like, that. Like cancer or True. something where, you know, your life, you, 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 sadly, your life is burning away anyway. And if marinol or marijuana or yeah, something like that eases it. you, yes. then, you know, phone lines are open. Dial. Uh, dial. Yeah, dial 866-472-5792. That's 866-472-5792. We'll be back in a moment. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Sometimes it just seems that nobody understands. There's one individual who can help. If you're living with somebody who faces challenges such as autism, Asperger's, or other exceptional needs, you'll want to tune into Solutions and Strategies with Dr. Sean. Living the Challenge. Together, we'll uncover a variety of solutions to the challenges faced by individuals, their families, and teachers. Listen live every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern on Voice America Health & Wellness. Step by step, you made it through the journey of pregnancy. 
Now your baby is in your arms and you're on the cusp of a new journey, breastfeeding. As a new parent, you receive a lot of advice, much of it conflicting, some of it outdated. Tune into Born to be Breastfed with host Marie Biancuzo to bust through the myths about feeding your baby. Marie and her guests will help you figure out what you can expect and put you on the best and surest path on your breastfeeding journey. Listen every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Like many of us, do you feel constantly tired or run down? Weight gain, sugar addiction, stress, and other health issues wear down our bodies and our spirit. You can take control of these and get yourself back on track. Tune into Living Life Naturally with host Lynn Wadsworth. Lynn can help you lower or get rid of migraines, help you maintain a healthy weight, deal with hormone imbalances, and more. Listen live every Friday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Do you find yourself caring for people in multiple generations? Are you exhausted, stressed, and overwhelmed? Instead of spending hours searching for resources and information, Dr. Merrill and her guests will provide you with practical, everyday information and solutions to help make your life easier. Tune into Caught Between Generations, Thursdays at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. A fresh look at today's health, Voice America Health and Wellness. are listening to miracles in recovery to reach the program today please call in to 1-866-472-5792 that's 1-866-472-5792 you may also send an email to ray at miraclesinrecovery.org now back to this week's show Welcome back. We're going to pick the conversation up where we left off, wherever that was. I guess it was just we're just going to keep conversing about uh, what we do. Well, we were specifically talking about medicinal uses for marijuana. And I really, like I said, you know, before the break, I, I really don't have a problem with marijuana as much as I did. Uh, and and I was one of the people who, for the longest time, because I didn't really use marijuana, I really held, held court saying that it wasn't a gateway drug. But then I gave in to the pressure and said, okay, it must be because you didn't, you didn't, you didn't, you didn't, you're in the same seat I am. So it has to be. But looking now at science and what we have found out uh, how positive a lot of illnesses are reacting to marijuana. There are specific components of it. You don't, yeah. you know, you don't necessarily have to get high. But if you know, if you yeah, look at right, gateway exactly. drugs, is- what is the biggest one? Alcohol. I mean, that's what most yeah. kids try first because it's available, and it, you know, it's usually at your parents' house. Or cigarettes. Well, yeah, but you don't get high from cigarettes. Yeah, well, I did the first time. Well, yeah, but I mean, once you get used to it, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But but alcohol, you know. Yeah. Everybody, everybody. That's the first thing they had. And it's and it's right in the majority of people's homes. Yeah, and it's not locked up or anything. It's no. just there. Yeah. You know, my family was 
very anti-alcohol because, number one, they're Southern Baptists, and number two, something I didn't realize until I was much older, both of my grandparents had alcoholic brothers. But was it in the house? Oh, no. Well, my dad was allowed one beer a day, which he, <laughs> which he had. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, of course. But that was it. So, so no, I mean, there was never liquor. You know, there were, there was a six-pack bought once a week. So if he missed it on Monday, he could have two on Tuesday? No, no, no. He wouldn't. He was, no, that was no, it. Just the that one. was it. He didn't want to get high. Oh. You know, so he was very, very careful about that. My mother never drank a drop of anything. Wow. But that's because her parents were so adamantly against it. Yeah. And it was yeah. because, it wasn't because they were Baptist country people, it's because they'd both experienced the horrific. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. The horrific things that alcoholism does. And I, I you know, you, you hear stories of, of alcoholism or, you know, addiction back then, and there was zero, zero awareness. And it seems like those stories were, I don't want to say that much more tragic, but I mean, because they didn't, because the community doesn't have an awareness of what's going on, it, it's just mother's little helper or, or or poor little Johnny down the end of the street. Um, you were you were considered um, mentally unstable or ill more than today's addict or alcoholic. Yeah, the today's is, addict alcoholic is considered a bad person. Yes, exactly. Whereas somebody that went home, drank uh, drank his paycheck away, went home and beat his wife, got up the next day and went and plowed the field. That was fine. He was just, yeah. Yeah, he um, was just a little... That's the way it was. Yeah. And, you know, and I guess only the, the family experienced... And, you know, I'm sure there was some embarrassment. I was watching an Andy Griffith show, and you know, remember Otis used to yeah. get drunk and yeah. go and unlock the cell and, and let himself in, yeah, and they made a big joke in. out of it. Yeah. And I look at that now, and I think they should not have done that. They shouldn't have done that. They made it into a joke, and it wasn't. Yeah. You know, if he had been a real person, that would have been a very sad situation. Well, when you look at when you look at TV like that from back then, even to, like on Andy Griffith, um, they were a special kind of people. You know what I mean? They that town um, made fun of a lot of different things. Yeah. You know, and I don't know if maybe the writers or something like that had an uncle who was. And that's how they just got Otis Campbell, Perhaps. you know, or something. But you're right. When you look back at it now, I used I used to like Otis because yeah. he was drunk and silly. Was, and, yeah, he was funny. What was that guy's name? What was the guy's name that used to do the um, Foster Brooks? The gentleman who used to make believe he was drunk all the time, white hair, beard. He did like the uh, Dean Martin roasts and all of that stuff. Foster Brooks him. was his name. And he was out in public. You know, he would be hiccuping drunk and stuttering drunk and all of that. And everyone would laugh because I guess maybe it was more accepted or embraced at the time. You know, Dean Martin always had a. Yeah. You know, and they said it was water. 
or juice. Yeah, well, it wasn't even booze. Yeah, but like that was well, the, yeah, the whole Rat Pack. Yeah, you know, this is cool know? kind of thing. So for I, men back then, not so much women. I don't think I don't drunk necessarily women were, know if drinking is as glamorous as it was in the fifties, sixties. No, and 70s. I don't think it is at all. No, because people because have an awareness of what can yeah, happen because of what we've learned, and and you know, it's it's that much readily acceptable because you don't go to a wedding and people are have all their pills out on the table. Right. They have the booze on the table and and well, not the weddings I go to. <laughs> and you well but you go to a um on any Sunday you could go to a wedding and that would be there on any Saturday I guess. Um you go to Olive Garden and the first thing they do is they they bring a thing of wine. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Or so it's still readily accepted but it's not as glamorous or embraced I guess as it as it was I mean we used to get we used to even even like cigarettes the Marlboro man commercials mm-hmm. they banned those in what the 80s or 70s That's or 80s or 70s something like or that. 80s so I think it would be good if they took alcohol commercials you know like the Coors commercials yeah. and all of that I stuff I agree it the would, Budweiser yeah for the Super Bowl yeah I but agree but they pump a buttload of money into into the government being able to keep that going yep. so yeah I don't know. We're not gonna. We're not going to. Um, yeah, I think if we keep talking about it, then maybe that one person that falls off of the the death list a day. Maybe that means that if we keep talking about it, that means one more person will be talking about how do we get out of this. I hope so. Because you know? there there are things that could be done i think if they made suboxone more readily available and maybe supervised the people who were taking it better mm-hmm. at the beginning because you know when you get into debates with people the first thing they say is oh well it can be abused well anything can be abused oh yeah but you know you if you monitor water. them appropriately yeah. long enough it it can help. There was, you know, you, you say you say that, and I, and I and I just goofily said uh, you can abuse water. I read, I heard on a radio show about there was a challenge on a from a, at a radio station, uh, drinking gallons of milk. Ew. Right. And somebody chugged like a gallon of milk or something like that, or a gallon and a half or something like that, and the ultimate died. I think I probably would too. Because, yeah. yeah, I know. So. Like you can abuse anything yeah. if and you're in a yeah the 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 whole culture of let's do everything to excess. I think that's where we've gotten yeah that's where we've gotten messed up. And you know we were talking earlier about President Kennedy being assassinated, and it mm-hmm. almost seems to me like all of this stuff kind of turned and started after that. It's like it, it kind of turned turned the country yeah. and even the world on it on its side a little bit. Yeah, I think I think Rodney King opened up Pandora's box. You know what I mean when mm-hmm. when the, that and and that's really where I think the world took a serious left turn. I think after after President Kennedy, I mean, I don't know, I was still a kid, and, and we were still watching Andy Griffith on TV, and they were still making fun of Otis and all that. But I think when those LA, the L.A. cops beat Rodney King, I think, and got away with and it. And got away with it. On TV, I think that's where something went, you know, and 
how do you stop that crazy train? I mean, look where we are today. And I'm not saying that that's the reason why, but it was around that time where that fun-loving society that we were became hating each other. And became so uber accountable for every minute thing that you do. Yeah. Every Mm -hmm. single thing. In every aspect of your life, uh, you know, that, that uber accountability then gives people authority over you. You know, I'm accountable right. to this one, this mm-hmm. one, this one. There are laws, 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 laws that we didn't right. have before. Mm-hmm. And that uber accountability is hurting people. No, we, and, and look at where we are today. You can't even breathe without somebody jumping down your neck because yeah. you you agreed with this. You you said hi to that person or it's crazy. It, it is. It's, yeah. it's completely insane and everything's illegal. And, and and here we are talking about addiction and my cat just come running in <laughs> and it was eating a catnip plant before. So he's probably right out of his mind. So He seems fine. Yeah, he seems fine. So we only have a couple of minutes left. Uh, about well, this is a special week for you, isn't it? Um, why do you say that? Uh, isn't your birthday coming up soon? Yeah, my birthday's Thursday. <laughs> You know, it's That's funny. what I thought. And, and, you know, the funny thing is, is that birth, birthdays don't affect me as much as they affect my mother. And there's the cat drinking your water again. Of course. They don't affect me as much as they, they affect my mother. I was talking to her on the phone yesterday, and she said, uh, I can't believe I'm going to have a child that's 58. I said, well, Mom, you have one that's older than me, and she's going to be 60. And she was like, oh, no. So, you know. And then we went into the conversation. Fortunately enough, she hasn't had to bury one of her child yeah. children. Oh, you know, that, and that is so scary. You know, and I, and I can see where you sit and where she sits, and you know, um, we absolutely need to do something about this because we are burying our children. We're losing an entire generation. We yeah. truly, truly are mm-hmm. in in so many so many ways. You know, even the ones that aren't. That haven't died. It's to me. It's it's yeah. Just, they're still they're still lost in the you know. Well, it's just the tragedy of yeah. how do you mm-hmm. how do you get your life back completely? How yeah, that's do the, you that's do the it? tough thing because not everybody does. This this right. isn't this isn't a thing that people that uh, need it get because if if you needed it, everybody would get it. Um, it's. For people that want it, and and I didn't always want it. I'm not willing to give it up today, but I didn't always want it. And fortunately enough, I made it to that point, that saturation point where I wanted it because I didn't want to die. Or, or you know, I, st- I started caring about not caring about dying. And that's a crazy place to be. So we have two minutes left. And if you want to use it up in any way, by all means, go ahead. Like wishing me a happy birthday or something like that. <laughs> well, happy birthday. I do <laughs> I do hope you have a wonderful day. And I know your mother is very happy that you're still around. Yeah. You know, and, and fortunately enough. And um, she is listening to us now. She always yeah, listens she, to the yeah, show. She so. does. She does. I was going to bring her in, but it's my show and I don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> So with that, I will um, end with thank you for listening, and I am very grateful for another year clean, another year sober, another year alive, uh, 58 years. Wow, 
I mean, but you're just a kid. Any questions? Yeah, I know. I'm still just a kid. I mean, I'm, I'm. You hadn't hit the big one yet. I can run about a half a block, so I'm really not just a kid. <laughs> you know, right? Oh, I imagine you can yeah. run more than that. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm sure I can. I'm sure I can. I'm just joking. But with that, I guess we'll sign off and say goodnight. And with Miracles in Recovery. Hope is in your corner. That it is. Good night, everybody. Stay blessed. Thank you for joining us this week for Miracles in Recovery. Be sure to listen again for another edition with your host, Ray Lynch, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel next Monday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Have a great week. Hope is in your corner.